For everything you want to know about real estate, it's time to take action. Schedule today. Ron and Don sit down.com is the way. Here's my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 149 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don. That's why, again, we call it the Ron and Don Show. And if we ever change our names, I think we'll still stick with the Ron and Don Show. Live from the shores of South Lake Union? Of course we are. Are we in the Lex Schwab Studios? Of course we are. And coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about kids in cages. We'll talk a little politics, even though we don't talk about politics a lot. I think it's on everyone's mind. As we just got done with the Democratic National Convention, here come the Republicans. Zurak, get ready for that. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, resilience. Before we get to all that, though, uh, what is your take on the Democratic uh, National Convention? And a lot of people were upset last week because Michelle Obama taped her speech. And then also, she only said that there's 150,000 people that died of COVID at the time and not 171,000. The president wanted to come out and correct her and let her know, hey, on my watch, there's 21,000 more dead people. What's the matter with you, Michelle? Yeah, I didn't do a deep dive on watching it. I watched some of the highlights. There was an interesting thing that happened with Michelle Obama uh, specifically. And just as a, as a sidebar, I think she's remarkable. I wish she would have ran for president. Um, I really like Michelle Obama. I, I think she was probably one of the best first ladies that we've ever had. So having said all that, in her speech, she made a, a big rallying point about the fact that Donald Trump had taken migrant children separated from their parents and put them in cages. And so that is all true. And we can talk about that. And it is deplorable. It's disgusting. And uh, I think it's one of the low points of modern American history when you see those images of children literally being ripped away uh, from their mother's arm and then placed in a cage. Now, they did an AP fact check on this. And here's the interesting part. If you go back and you ask, well, who built the cages? Who built these chain link fence sorting cages uh, for immigration control? Turns out that was the Barack Obama, Joe Biden administration. The mechanism by which people ended up in those cages is different than it was used by Donald Trump. But the detention facilities with the chain link fences that have now become famous and are a rallying cry for Democrats, those were funded and supported and uh, put into motion under Barack Obama. And there were children and families detained in those very same cages under the Obama administration. And so I I guess pointing that out and spiking the football in a sense that, that Michelle Obama did... It's something that all politicians do, uh, but I did find it ironic when we think about immigration, we think about the, some of the atrocities in my mind that Donald Trump has pulled off. Um, I think there is some irony there when you actually look at who, who was the champion of those in the first place. Um, the fact that it was Barack Obama, do you... Do you find that just a little bit ironic? As no, I, I think statistically, people have to look at when, when President Obama was in office, uh, ICE was very active. And there's a lot of people that were sent back to Central America. There's a lot of people that were sent back to Mexico. And my question would be, what, what do you do? Do you put people in tents? Do you build walls? Do you build fences? Do you build cages? 
how do you do that exactly when you have such a porous border? And the porous will the, the border will continue to be porous. The the issue is, and I think this is just mind blowing. I got on a bike one time, and I'm just going to toot my own horn. Toot toot, and I started in Cowspell, Montana. I went from Cowspell, Montana, all the way to the tip of Texas. And when I got done, what I found out is that is over 2,200 miles. And then I read a story that said when you start in California, where we have lived, we've lived in all the border states. You start in California, you go over to Arizona, Arizona, New Mexico, New Mexico to Texas, just that, and then down to the tip of Texas. That border area right there, that's about 2,200 miles. And I will tell you, Riding my bike, 2,200 miles, you really realize. Sometimes you're in a car, you're in a plane, you don't realize how far 2,200 miles is. 2,200 miles, man, is a long, long way, I found out, on my bicycle. And all this to say that a lot of the border that's being built, it's just a bunch of tomfoolery when you think of the, the border wall that's going up. Because there's a lot of places you can't put a border wall. There's a lot of places where there's already a wall. And what do you do when you see a wall? Well, you dig a hole a little deeper or you make a ladder a little higher. There's drones and other things, but at the end of the day, there just aren't, there just aren't enough border patrol officers to stop people that are coming over the border. So this has been very difficult. It was very difficult for the Obama administration. It's been very difficult for the Trump administration. And I do think, to be fair to the Trump administration, you do have to look at the numbers, the overall numbers and how active ICE was. Uh, the Obama administration was very, very active on sending people back to Mexico and Central America. But it seems like as a whole, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you think my take on this is wrong, seems like the Democrats are, to use a football analogy, they're playing a prevent defense. Uh, there's... Two minutes left in the game. You're ahead by ten points. What do you mean? So, and so they're just their their defenses, uh, or their strategy seems to be kind of don't do anything. Are you talking about the election right yeah, now? Yeah, the election. The election. Okay. Don't do anything that'll attract attention to us, um, because Trump's doing enough things that it just just let him punch himself out. So just sort of run kind of a campaign. Um, I like Kamala Harris. I think that that was an interesting choice, and I think uh, she's she's very capable. I would love to see her as a VP. I'd love to see her as a president someday if she becomes VP. Um, so, but it seems like the strategy of the Democrats is to kind of go, not that guy, and do a mic drop. That seems to be the whole strategy. Not which guy? Trump. Yeah. We can't have that guy, mic drop, and then just walk off the stage, which in a way might be the best strategy. I don't know if it is. We we have to remember. It's all about the economy. And when you look at the numbers right now, uh, Joe Biden is leading in all areas except for the one area that determines elections. And in that area, uh, Donald Trump is 10 points ahead. And that's the economy. The economy, the economy. Remember, it's the economy, stupid. And Joe Biden has fallen behind by 10 points in most polls when it comes to the economy. So that's... that's yeah, I, uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think especially... It's one in four. And and so if you, if you look at statistics, one in four basically means that you have to win a coin toss twice. Yeah, it is not for a Donald, slam for dunk. For Donald Trump to win. It is yeah. not a slam dunk by any means. We saw that in the, in the last election. I do find it interesting, though, that the Postmaster General... Uh, after Donald Trump blatantly came out and said, yeah, I'm, I'm not funding the post office because the uh, mail-in voting is bad for me, uh, the Postmaster General said, yeah, we're going to take all that and shelve it till after the election. <laughs> and so we'll see if he is able to do that. 
uh, and doesn't get massive pushback from Congress. But I thought found that to be interesting as well. I think that every American should be if you can send me a credit card through the mail, if you can send me a ticket through the mail, if I can send a check for $100,000 through the mail, surely I can vote through the mail. Yeah. All right. Come back. We'll talk a little more politics on the other side of this. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. That's what Peter did. I moved over to Kitsap County across from Seattle, and it was becoming more difficult to manage the triplex so I thought maybe I should check with them about whether it would be a good time to sell. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. And because I lived over in Kitsap County, it was going to be difficult for some of the general contractor type things. So I said, well, if you guys will do that, I'm, I'm ready to put it on the market. So they took over when the landscape person person didn't do a very good job in their opinion they came over and redid it (laughs) and they didn't charge me anything for that so I, i was very thankful for that we went on the market we had multiple offers we had one fella that offered fifty thousand dollars more than the asking price and in addition he had no contingencies so i jumped on that one the important thing to me was my son is in college and he was getting ready to go to the UW and I've been renting him one of my apartments so I needed to find a a replacement for him. Ron uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places, made an offer on one but didn't get that one, made an offer on a second one and did get that one. And uh, it was just, it was a very smooth process. I would very much work with them again. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys. Are you ready for the best show in the Pacific Northwest? Here's my dad to his boyfriend and, I mean, friend. All right, you guys, episode 149 of the Ron and Don Show, and here we go. We head into an election cycle as we head toward November, and in real estate, it's very, very interesting right now because a lot of people are looking to sell before the November election, feeling that they will get the most for their home now, and then after the election, there will be some kind of correction, and a lot of cheap money It's out there right now. We get on the other side of this. Democrats, Republicans are going to have to stop throwing money at this situation, Ron. Because uh, right now they're both throwing money at it because they both know that you don't want to look like the party that pulled the plug on COVID. Or you don't want to look like the party that pulled the plug on furloughed workers. So it's one of the reasons why people are buying, they're selling, and they know that money is probably going to get more expensive 
after the election. Oh, it, it has to. I mean, I think the market, you're going to see a big market correction. Uh, I think it's going to ripple through everything. Uh, I also think that um, the unemployment benefits thing has to change. You can't do that indefinitely. But it jumped to right to me, and you actually sent me this story, I think it's from The Atlantic, where there are some uh, doctors right now, I believe it's at either MIT or Harvard, I think Harvard, that said, we're developing this test, and what we want to do is test every public space, every day, every person. And it sounds crazy. And so what it is, they're developing, and it's less accurate than the ones that you shove all the way up in your brain with the giant Q-tip. It's a, a paper strip similar to what you'd see, you know, when you like test your pool water, it has the color on there and you stick it in and you see what the chlorine is. You would take this. So every public space, grocery store, a church, a school, movie theater, movie theater, whatever it was, every person that comes in, you have to put this paper strip or not paper, but a, a little plastic strip in your mouth. Uh, and then one minute later, it's going to change a uh, uh, color. It's 15 minutes. Is it 15 minutes? Takes 15 minutes. Yeah. So 15 minutes later, it's going to change color. And then if your color's good, you go in. If your color's bad, you quarantine. Mm -hmm. And the, this particular uh, doctor that is pioneering this says that uh, in three weeks' time, we could control this. And we would need to produce hundreds of millions of these test strips, which could be done. And it would cost billions of dollars to do it. But he points out we are already losing billions of dollars uh, every week and every month uh, to COVID. So when we think about politically, if you really had leadership that wasn't concerned about an election, but concerned about the health of the populace, then you would be getting in front of every podium you could and rallying Congress to fund systems like that. You would not be stoking fires like we see in Iowa, where it's like, hey, Republican governor, open your schools. And then she just throws out some sort of metric that she invented uh, to get people back yeah. in school. And the school district is now suing the teachers union, suing her saying, you're inventing stuff. Give me your sources. You can't just invent a number and tell me to go to work. We can't have the, the Florida sheriff saying, well, I don't believe in that. So you're ordered to not wear a mask. Like we're seeing just idiotic things happen along political lines when the politicians that I want will be standing up saying, hey, guys, here's a really smart dude at Harvard. Uh, let's do this testing. We're going to throw a couple billion dollars at that instead of at these other things that don't mean anything. Yeah, I think. Donald Trump left it up to the states because he didn't want to fight with the big states. He knew he'd have to fight with New York and he'd have to fight with California. He's like, I'm not going to fight with you. Uh, so we're just going to leave it up to the states. And they have. And as a result of that, New York has done well. Uh, California did well early on and, and they struggled. Florida and Texas, not so much. This is what I think is really interesting, though. There was, and I think this is happening all over the country. And if you've gone and down, if you've been to downtown Seattle, your heart really breaks for all those small businesses that need that lunch crowd. You need the lunch business crowd down in the CBDs uh, all around the country, and that's not happening. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these places have opened, but even with delivery and everything else, it's just it, it it's difficult. There's a store on Queen Anne Avenue where I live, next to my post office, and they had put up signs going out of business. We're going out of business. This is it. And, and they were doing some kind of curb drop off and I don't know, selling ladies rain boots and all that. And I don't know how many people are going to order rain boots and have them dropped off on the curb and all that. It seems tough. They're going out of business. A couple of weeks later, not going out of business. Same store. Open. 
And it looks like the same lady boots inside and the same inventory and all that. So I went in and I asked the lady that owns the store. I said, what happened here? She said, well, we got government money. We got stimulus money. And she said, in order for the money for this particular store, in order for this to be converted to a grant versus a loan, because she's like, I don't want a loan from the government. She said, in order to convert it, very specifically, I have to make sure, and I think the number was uh, over 80%. 80% of the money that we're using in the store has to go toward paying employees. I have to continue to pay employees. So what I'm doing is she says, I'm paying employees that aren't even coming to work. I'm, I'm paying them with this loan that I have because I want the loan to convert to a grant. I said, well, what's going to happen at the election when these loans, grants aren't available anymore? She said, then I'll shut the store. At that point, I will shut the store. She says, but I'm leaving it open right now because I'm helping people. And I'm helping my employees. And my employees ask. They're like, hey, can you keep the store open? Keep those checks coming. And that, you guys, is what we have to prepare for after the election. There's a lot of businesses. In fact, I counted 11 that I know of personally that will close after the election cycle uh, and after the stimulus money is gone. And one of the only reasons they're staying open is because they are really trying to take care of their employees. And employees have asked, even if we can't come to work, uh, could you still pay us? So there's a lot of that happening. There'll be a big correction after the election cycle. So if you have a piece of property right now, think about that. We're going to have to cycle through, I think, 12 to 24 months of some kind of correction. I don't think there's going to be a crash, but there's going to be a correction. So think about that. And money will probably get a little more expensive. And then somehow all the money we've been printing to pay for this, uh, we're not going to print it anymore. We have to figure out a way to pay for it. And, and finally, think about this. Even in the city of Seattle, you want to defund the police. Well, as of a month ago, you paid police an extra $6.2 million because of the riots happening here in Seattle. The riots continue to happen in Portland. And all you're doing is taking lots of money and putting it in police officers' pockets. So if you want to defund the police, maybe stop rioting. He's Ron. I'm Don. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thanks for being a part of the Ron and Don Nation. Subscribe to the Nation News at ronanddonsitdown.com. A behind-the-scenes look at everything Ron and Don. Hey, you guys, before uh, we get out of here, let's talk about resilience. And I was driving home the other night, and I don't mean to be spooky, uh, but I've really been enjoying writing lately and uh, expressing some of the things that I've been learning in words and some of those things I put out on Facebook page, uh, my Facebook page. I put this out, and I'm just wondering if maybe this might connect with you. And I think we sent this out in a, in a newsletter a couple weeks ago, too. I just wrote, it said, I was driving home tonight, and I felt that I was supposed to write something and write this for maybe just someone. Uh, maybe the someone's you. So I just want to encourage you. Take some quiet time for yourself tonight or tomorrow morning. And think about all the struggles that you have been through in your life. Think about the struggles. Think about those struggles. And think about maybe even some of the struggles that you're going through right now. Right? But don't forget, all the struggle that you've been through in your life, a lot of that was born out of grit and it also was born out of resilience 
and maybe take some time and think about the grit and the resilience that you've had. And from that grit and resilience was born determination. And maybe think about now here you are armed with determination and grit and resilience. And maybe out of that, you begin to see purpose, right? Your purpose. Sometimes we don't know where to start. So do this, get up tomorrow morning, an hour, maybe an hour early, pull out a piece of paper, just start writing down stories about you and the times that you exhibited your grit. Write stories about the time that you showed determination. Write stories about the time that you connected with purpose and just try it for one moment. And then write us back, get back. I think something really awesome might happen in you and with you by just writing those stories. So maybe it's time for you to take the main stage and center of your own life. And Ron and I and the rest of us in the Ron and Don Nation, we're going to be here to cheer you on. So what are you waiting for? Ron and I love you all. Just reminding you, keep your head up, your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 150 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Oh,